Hey, this is Kiran Nagar from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have John Geese with us. John works with emerging leaders that are ambitious and mission-driven. He is known for helping them make a positive difference in the world. John, give us some advices. I am an emerging leader, so welcome to the show. First of all, hey, thank you. It's nice to meet you and your audience. So, John, first of all, I like to consider myself an emerging leader because I am an entrepreneur myself. So, like, what what are your first things that you do? Once you start working with the leader, I have this really nice background here. Sometimes uh-huh. I think I should have a box of depends back here because it kind of depends mm-hmm. on what that person is trying to achieve. So I've worked with some leaders that are really trying to get their teams aligned and you know get their people to become accountable to each other. And for other people, they're just trying to get enough revenue so that they can hire their first employee or their second employee. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends on where they're at. And so it's really being curious, not being too directive until you understand really where they are, kind of like on the map, you're here and where they want to go. Yeah, totally. And I have learned from the book, Good to Great. I don't know how true it is, but it is said that leadership is the thing that makes a company or breaks a company. So what is your take on that? Certainly say it's one of the top three things. So I've had a chance to work within big multinational companies, you know, billion dollars in sales, and I've worked with small companies. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in leadership that shouldn't be in leadership in big companies. And those divisions struggle over time. You know, you can make a short-term success. And if you look at the way people transition jobs today, every 18 months, you kind of wonder what's driving that continual evolution. But the leader absolutely sets the tone, the culture. A great example. I used to work with a company and when we traveled, we would share a hotel room to cut down on expenses. Well, this is the, the we were purchased, and the new leaders they weren't going to do that, mm-hmm. and so there was a little pushback, and pretty soon we all had our own rooms. So I meet business owners all the time. In fact, I'm have a couple of folks that I'm in conversation with now that don't want to sell. And if you're a business owner or if you're an executive in a company and you don't want to sell, you're not bought into the mission. Because if I withhold my business from you because I don't want to sell, I'm doing you a disservice. Mm -hmm. Because if I can really make a difference in your life, I should want to be screaming that from the top of every mountaintop. Wow. That's a great way to put it. And as you have mentioned, that leadership is something that comes in the first top three things of a successful company. So, and as you have mentioned that there are people uh, on stages where they shouldn't be uh, being a leader, right? So what makes a good leader and what makes a bad leader? If you Google leaders, you'll get like 6 billion hits on Google. So there's a lot of opinions on what that is. For me, it's someone that has a vision worth following something that I'm going to buy into and that your the team is going to buy into. They, they have systems in place so that clarity is the first step. Do you know where you want to go and do you know what it takes to get there? Because without clarity, you can't be accountable. It's really how do you build the systems so that people know that they're making progress? I think Tony Robbins said, happiness is progress. We feel good when we're making progress and we don't feel so good when we're not. So going that data and having visibility to it helps everybody. Mm-hmm. And the people that are winning, you want to celebrate the people that are struggling. You want to work with and see what you can do to help them get to that next level. Because mm-hmm. if you're not performing, you're unhappy. Yes. Bottom line. Maybe that you want to go find something else to do. From accountability, then there's respect. Mm-hmm. We got to respect everybody. Not everybody sees things the way we do. So we have to be tolerant of that and behave in a way that we want our people to behave. 
And we've seen a lot of this recently in the world, in the news media, where, you know, our leaders behaved one way while talking about something else. So it's model behavior you want to see. Finally, you want to be candid. Well, almost finally, you want to be candid. I need to have a difficult conversation with someone and I don't have it. That relationship does not get better. It just festers. So we want to have a way to have a candid conversation that produces results. And finally, I think the best leaders have a servant heart where it's not I'm leading because I'm in the corner office, but I'm leading because I want my customers, my employees, my vendors, my shareholders, I want all of them to thrive in this ecosystem of business. I feel like I just barfed all over you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Great to hear that. So my next question to you is about team members. Okay. Sometimes team members who are very good at their work don't perform well. Right? How do you encourage them? How do you motivate them? How do you inspire them to work to their fullest potential? So team members that know what to do and are not performing, that's either a skill set that they don't have or they don't have will. If it's skills, it's you, know, you can take classes, you can read books, you can sign books, you can hook them up with a mentor, you can work with them. You know, Skill is easy, but do they want to succeed? That becomes where it's harder. And you can try some incentives and consequences. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, even in my background, there were places where I was in roles that I shouldn't have been in. And mm-hmm. so giving them the opportunity to find another role is a good move for them. You Because know, if you don't want to do it, mm-hmm. and even if you do all the right things, your audience, mm-hmm. you know, whoever you're working with, your teammates, your clients, your customers, your prospects, they're going to feel that your heart's not in it and you're going to step back a little bit. You kind of have to find out, skill set, will, and then build, help them build tiny habits. And so we've got a check-in every day at 4.30. How'd you do? Mm-hmm. And just having someone to talk to once a day takes us five minutes to text each other back and forth, mm-hmm. but he knows that that's coming. So he knows that he wants, he doesn't want to say, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Right? So knowing that some, there's a, it's part of the cadence of conversations, you know, having someone to regularly check your progress helps. And that of course is the part where leaders comes in and uh, communicate with you and keeps you accountable. Tell us about coaching. Like when did you start it? What was the reason of starting it? So it's kind of a long story. When I was in college, I had a professor got me into personal development and reading. And so I read like 70 books a year. I just love reading. I love learning how to get better. 2008, I hired a coach. I mean, as I delved into the things that I'm really good at, mentoring people, coaching my sales team, facilitating challenging conversations, speaking in front of an audience, what you're doing is it looks pretty attractive. And then when I got left the company I was with at the time, I went out and I started a coaching practice. I worked for a big company for a while to kind of see if I could do this. And then went into practice for myself back in 2018. But it's that's when I started and that's what got me started. And the why is I've always liked mentoring, teaching, speaking, facilitating that uncomfortable or incongruent conversation around the table to get everybody on the same page. Wow. And uh, can you tell us about any book that you would be writing? I've written this one. I've got a second edition coming out. So this is how do you get new clients, new revenue and profits without spending more money on marketing and advertising. The challenge most business owners have is they want to serve everybody. When you serve everybody, you're really serving nobody. They're afraid to niche down to who their ideal customer is. But I have yet to see someone identify their ideal customer and talk to them where they didn't get more of those people, but then even people from outside of that realm because people are attracted to people that know who they serve and how they serve them. Yes, totally. Any pointers that you would want to give from your book? So really think about the problem that your customer has. So a good example, financial advisors are all out there saying, we're trained, we're fiduciaries, we're going to listen deeply to you. We have the best customer service. 
what the customer hears is blah, 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 because everybody says that. But when you can come out and say, you know, a lot of financial advisors are driven, you're worried that your financial advisor is driven by commission. Mm -hmm. With our firm, we're going to listen and follow your agenda, not our agenda. Mm -hmm. Now you sound and feel different than somebody else. Because your client doesn't care what your credentials are. House painting is another good example. Once you decide you're going to paint your house, you're going to paint your house. Mm -hmm. But how do I know that you're not going to leave a mess? You're not going to cuss in my household. You're not going to drag dirt from the outside in, et cetera, et cetera. Answer those questions in your marketing. And now you sound different from everybody else. And your client, the ones that are for you, hear you. Boss, what a wonderful way. Tell us about social media. How active are you on social media? Do you think that social media is important? I don't think you can avoid it any longer. I know people that choose not to be on it. That's okay. That's for them. I think you have to, it's kind of the way I talk about advertising. You have to find where your audience is. So for me, I like Facebook. I like being visible on Facebook, but my clients aren't hanging out on Facebook. Mm. It's just not really a great place for me. I mean, they probably are, but they're not looking for me on Facebook. Where I have better success is on a platform like LinkedIn, because those people are already thinking in a different kind of mind and they're a different size. So I think you really need to know who your audience is and where they're hanging out before you determine which media platform you pursue. So social media is here to last. And for you, as far as you think that LinkedIn is the best platform, have you ever tried something like TikTok videos, Reels? I might have tried an Instagram. I got on TikTok and I've deleted it three times because it just sucks my time away. I know people that like Instagram and there are a lot of people like TikTok with the changes in the Fed regulations and different states. I'm not sure TikTok is the place anymore, but people, so I like writing and I've been, I've had a blog since 2008, but audiences don't necessarily want to read anymore. So I am transitioning into producing more video content because that's what audiences want. And if mm-hmm. I want to connect with my audience, I have to go where they want to go. Of course. Of course. How do you look at making positive difference in anyone's life? Because there are different situations and that needs to be handled differently. So giving you a situation, let's suppose there is an entrepreneur who wants to currently add five employees, wants to scale it to 50 employees. What's the trick there? Give me an example and you tell me if this helps. So one of my clients was a solopreneur. He had a couple of contractors doing a little bit of work for him. And over the last year, he really added a lot to his business. So I think he his business by 33%. And he's brought on a couple of more permanent kinds of contractors. He's got a VA that works with him all the time. He's got someone that manages a certain segment of his um, trademark. And he said, you know, all of a sudden now I feel kind of like a CEO instead of just an associate. Good sign. Well, now his business is going even more gangbusters. He's learning how to delegate. And the thing that we were talk about is as you grow your business and as you go from one employee to five employees, you have to change. You can no longer be center of the universe. It can't all go through you because then you're limiter of your growth. And the same thing happens as you get to 50, 500, 2,500. Every level you go up, you have to grow with it. And if that's not where you want to grow, sometimes it's okay not to be the CEO of your own company anymore because you don't want that managerial band of control frustration of keeping track of all the balls. You really like doing the work. So know yourself well enough to say, I can grow and change or I bring someone in that can grow and change as we go through those levels. Did that help? It totally did. It completely answered my question. John, tell us about the best ways of reaching out to you. Where do you find me? Uh, so H-T-T-P-S-R-A-S hyphen squared is my website. You can download a free copy of new clients, new revenue, and new profits there. And there's a whole host of resources and blogs and other things there. 
You can also find me on LinkedIn at, at John Geese. I'm on Facebook. I'm kind of a lurker on Instagram. I kind of look at stuff on Instagram. I haven't really posted anything there yet, a project for the future, but you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. John, any final messages on leadership and making a positive difference in the world, emerging leaders? When I was young, I looked at leaders as these people on a pedestal. They, they lived rarefied air. And I said, oh, I want to be one of them. But in order to be one of them, you have to become one of them. And that means you have to lead yourself first. So when you can build the habits that drive your success, be it I'm going to make five phone calls a day, I'm going to do 30 push-ups every morning, I'm going to make sure that I do certain things. So like exercise is a great example. A lot of people don't like to work out. Great. Make your minimum commitment every day to walk into the gym. If you walk into the gym, you're probably going to work out. Mm. But you can make that tiny habit versus saying I have to go run a mile or mm. run a marathon, you can say. Every day, I'm going to walk around the block. Mm -hmm. And soon, that will grow into something more. So start small. Be clear on where you want to go and take small steps toward that every day. And you know, if you improve 2% and 2% and 2% and 2%, all of a sudden, you're off the charts. Yes, totally. And the first step towards going to gym is tying your shoelace. Exactly. Yeah. So, John, it was wonderful having a conversation with you today. Thank you so much for sharing wise wisdom with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the offer. This has been a great experience. Um, good luck to you and all of your audience members. Thank you so much again. I am your host, Kiran Nagra, signing off. You guys take care. Bye, guys.